0: Wednesday night, April 21st, you are alive with us at WrestlingInc.com, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on Twitch, whether it be on Periscope, whether it be on Facebook, whether you're listening to the audio only because these faces are not meant for TV. Whatever it is, we're happy that you're tuning in live or archived here on WrestlingInc's platforms. I'm Justin Lamar alongside Forbes.com's Alfred Kunoa. Alfred, how's it going tonight? Uh, great, and speak for yourself. I think this,
1: uh, <laughs> this is meant for at least podcasting, you know, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, we'll we'll give you that, uh, especially when, especially when Alfred's nice and, you know, nice and groomed and manscaped up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we got some news headlines to talk about in the wrestling world, which we'll get to in a little bit. And of course, tonight, uh, what is this, week two of AEW being unopposed uh, consecutively as, of course, NXT now on Tuesday night. NXT, which I guess we'll just go ahead and note right, right off the bat here, and you are going to read about more of it on Wrestling Inc. Uh, NXT continuing to go up, uh, still in the 800,000 viewership. That's where they were. Uh, last week, but they have gone up some more. So, again, the best viewership they uh, continue to see uh, since their Halloween Havoc days. So, uh, good sign for NXT. Last week, AEW, I think what was it 1.2 million, Alfred? Yeah, 1.219. So, we'll have to see if this week, if that uh, offers them up a, a higher number. Certainly feels like, as they're building to May 5th, this blood and guts. It definitely feels like that has the makings to probably be the best number they've ever had uh, if they continue to build. Uh, properly, which we will talk about all throughout this show here. So we'll, we'll get to see it. I mean, I don't know. The Overall, before we dive into segment to segment, this show, not a bad show, some, certainly some quality uh, wrestling, very, very focused, Alfred. This show tonight, Dynamite, very focused on their, uh, on their rankings and on people's records. They, they put more statistical application to this night than I can remember in a long
1: time absolutely and they even had the segment with Britt baker coming out and them doing the big reveal that she's now number one which i know they're kind of doing it as part of her character because she's been complaining about the rankings a lot but i think that should be more of a thing maybe not do it too much but kind of like how they do the ceremonial point to the sign at wrestlemania people roll their eyes at that but that's because wrestlemania means a lot so they want to really focus on that brand and for aew to kind of differentiate itself those rankings and the idea that somebody just became number one or the number one contender treating it like a big deal like that i thought was a really good television moment and it's good for the brand of AEW
0: yeah I agree and like I said I mean more than at least half of the matches I'll talk about they had an angle that they were tarp, you know harping up on commentary about what this uh, how this person got to be or what what the, what kind of momentum they were riding uh kicking off our first super chat of the night <laughs> Jax Callis 299 Alfred I didn't bring the snake to Vegas <laughs> well,
1: that's a shame we were talking about that uh, Jackson Callis uh, yesterday on our NXT podcast uh about whether or not he brought the snake but uh next time Jax that'd be that'd be great yeah, he,
0: he he's already stunned me. I've gone through, it. you know, a pet snake. I don't think so. Again, I've always said this. No no legs and a move has no business. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how people do it, but he seems really like those snakes. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care if it's the, the Playboy centerfold with the snake around the neck. <laughs> you get her out of here. All
1: you can see is the snake. You're just like, okay, no, I can't do it. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right, let's jump into the uh, dynamite action. They kick it off with Ricky Starks up against Hangman Page. And again, immediately, right to what we're saying, commentary putting over the fact that Hangman Page, your number one ranked uh, AEW superstar, he has been such for four weeks now, um, you know, he's undefeated in 2021 in singles matches, but Ricky Starks, uh, on a, he's 10-1 and one, and he's on a 10-match win streak, so uh, really kind of putting that over, Taz is also on commentary, and I'll say this, um, you know, I, I think it, there's certainly a critique, I have critique of the whole Taz Team Taz and, and and their booking and their overall presentation. Taz sounds so good on commentary. Alfred, this is the first, this is not the first time we've heard him on AEW commentary, and certainly he was on SmackDown for many years. But he just brings such logic and like kind of like, oh yeah, he makes it
1: feel more real. If that makes sense. He's a tremendous broadcaster and it's a testament to him that whenever they have four people in the booth, it never seems crowded when Taz is the fourth man. That's a talent in and of itself in that, I mean, three people booth tend to sound crowded, but Taz always knows where to jump in, when to jump out, when to get his guys over, the story of the match. I think Taz was very good at kind of carrying this match. Even this match, as much as I liked it, it did get away from itself a little bit with some scary spots I'm sure we'll get into, but Taz was really good at taking that and immediately infusing it into a story of the match so that it seemed like it was still real and on going and it was supposed to happen
0: yeah and, and yeah before we get to that the, you just referenced there yeah it, just early on there was a point where um page kind of had this interesting suplex bridge pinning uh scenario on starks and starks and his version of kicking out rather than you know lifting his shoulders he just gave like a karate chop to page's stomach and Taz just made even a simple comment of like you know you're trying to conserve energy and so just yeah. even something as simple as that just to break um you know and like i mean that's that's that sounds so minor and i mean i guess maybe to the more casual fans who might be tuned into this that might sound like a trivial comment but it really does add an element of again realness that's oftentimes has gotten far overlooked uh when things have become so just routine of one two, kick out the shoulder yeah Uh, but yeah uh overall yeah they notice how maybe stark's a little nervous you know going up against hangman and hangman's got the veteran uh veteran uh angle into this uh but then yeah we get a kind of a weird sequence here um Starks ends up getting a, hang my page, German suplex of Starks. And Starks simultaneously lands on his neck while also having his feet land to the point where commentary was split two and two. Two of them sold it as, oh my God, Starks has just been dropped on his head. The other two save it as no. He has incredible balance and reflexes. He's landing on his feet. And then that goes right into uh, not long after he tries to do a little springboard. Uh, Starks, uh, yeah, Starks does a springboard and then stopped where he's gonna get clotheslined. Looked a little mistimed, looked a little bit like the distance was misjudged. He gets clotheslined, but then he's favoring his ankle heavily. Uh, it really looks like he was bothered by his ankle. Ultimately, though, Paige gets the win via submission. It's kind of like a reverse bulldog move while he's pulling on the ankle. Um, but you know, this match, I mean, Starks oof, scary.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very scary. I mean, and there was a couple of those things like you were talking about with the ankle where he, I don't know if he was selling it or because then we saw him do it later on tonight, but he had moves where he would only use one leg to get on the rope. So, I mean, he was working good on him, but it was very scary uh, after that spot. And I, I do think that both things did happen, that he did seem to land on his feet and pop right back up and not have a problem, but he landed directly on his neck. It was very scary. And I think from then on, he was a little shaken up, turn, and naturally, rightfully so. I mean, yeah. he still finished the match, and I thought he did a good job recovering, but he seemed pretty shaken up by that happening for, for a little bit as that match went on.
0: Uh, after the match, uh, Taz quickly tries to, from the commentary table, tries to talk some smack on Paige, telling him you need to watch your back. Uh, Hook comes from behind, um, hits hits Paige from behind on the back of the leg, and, and proceeds to start to kick him. And I, I know Hook is extremely young, so I don't want to pick on this yeah. guy, but... Lay the kicks in a little bit better. Yeah. It looked like he was doing a tap dance number around. Him.
1: It did, and he had this coordinated move with his arms. He was, like, doing a Backstreet Boys-like dance. It was really – it stood out like a sore thumb, and I'm sure he's promising he's got a great teacher and his father, Taz, to learn from. I'm sure we're going to look back on this years from now and laugh, but this was not good by Hook.
0: Yeah, uh, not not the best looking. Uh, Dark Order uh, – yeah, so so Hook's doing that. Ultimately, um, uh, we'd see Dark Order come out. They chase off uh, Team Taz to uh, – to even the odds there. So overall, I mean, you know, it was what it was. Hangman Page continues to be, I mean, he he continues to be again number one ranked and uh, momentum's there for him. I, I, you know, I don't know what's next in his future though. Like, I, I mean, he's, he doesn't seem like he's got anything that's getting ready to happen related to Moxley Uh related, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know where, where I'd see him in, in uh, you know Omega Moxley. He's not, not fitting there with world title, I guess, but then TNT title, I don't, I don't know yeah
1: and it does seem too early to do um omega versus hangman page because they aren't telling a greater story of this elite stable and anytime they kind of try to approach hangman adam page about it it gets cut off to where they're clearly delaying the story being told so i think even if hangman adam page wrestles kenny omega anytime in the next year i think it would be too early to go to that unless they're prepared to tell that story of them potentially getting back together or whatever they're going to do with the elite Um, uh, I like the fact that not only, uh, is Heyman Adam Page kind of trumpeted as a number one contender and he's number one in the rankings, but he keeps wrestling. He keeps wrestling and putting that on the line to a degree where he had the match against Max Caster. And now he has this week's match. So he is like a fighting champion as number one contender, which helps the rankings. And, um, and it's a good question. I really don't know what's next for him because he's just going to associate with the dark order. But I mean, what kind of feud is that going to lead to?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, It does feel like they're kind of stalling. Like they maybe do have a date on the calendar circled okay this is when we want to have Hangman Page's big moment be a title win uh, but it's not until September or it's not until we have we're back on the road or so, whatever this whatever the the criteria is it does feel like they're just kind of stalling like well we can't let him just fall by the wayside we're not going to do a WWE here and just have him disappear from TV like so it's kind of like yeah just you got to keep his wins up but he's just going to have to kind of have wins that keep him at the top of the rankings but he doesn't activate and go in for a challenge I guess right Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that uh super chat coming in best in the smokers world ten dollars look at this one alfred i met up with both you guys at rookies in san jose for wrestlemania in 2015 glad to see you two doing well whatever raj is paying you it's not enough thanks for getting me through the evening boys wow that's yeah that that, that's awesome thank you uh to this comment I, i think it's the last time you and
1: i saw each other in person is that did we see yeah, that? no, I think that is true. That was in San Jose after WrestleMania 31. Uh, you introduced me to Vince Russo, and he was a riot that night. I loved Vince that night. He taught me a couple things that I still think about and that still kind of apply to WWE these days that I will never tell anybody else. But that was a fun night, uh, getting to meet you and getting to drink with you. That, that was a lot of fun.
0: I'm trying to – because, I mean, the is they start to run together. I don't think – like, after that one, I mean, we there was – there's some Dallas, there's some New Orleans, another New York. I don't think there's an Orlando, but I don't think we ever crossed past any of those.
1: I don't think so either. Yeah, I think that was the last time. Was that 2015, the next year, 2016? That would have been in Dallas, and I don't think we met up there. No. But no, uh, that's, that's really cool.
0: cool. Well, well, trust me, folks, the wrestling crew, once we, hopefully next year for WrestleMania, uh, you know, we are back in a more traditional sense, and we will yeah. be able to do this live uh, in living color with, with some wonderful live super chats happening uh, <laughs> with the fans there in person. Awesome super chat there, thank you very much. Yeah, okay, patient. that was great. Moving on, we got uh, Penta L zero M versus Trent. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> what do you think about I'm, that, Justin? I'm, I'm I kinda, I popped when, when, uh, when, when Justin Roberts did the intro. Yeah. He went Trent. I, I mean, I popped. I literally out loud yeah. laughed out loud. I thought, that, I don't know, it's, it's stupid, but it, it, yeah. it perfectly fits a guy in a group called Best Friends.
1: Right, right. No, that's all I needed to get it over too. Is that okay? Justin's on board. All right. Okay, we're doing this Trent question mark thing. Great.
0: Yeah, Trent. Uh, so again, looking at stats and facts this, uh, they noted the first singles match for Trent in 2021. Of course, he was out a lot in 2020, um, factorial, I think. Is yes. what they were talking about? Yeah. So, um, so this leads into, uh, you know, th- 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 this, these two go back and forth. I'm a big fan of Penta. I'm a really big fan of Penta. Um, this leads into a, a sequence that I thought was, it was right, right going in the break, uh, springboard off the middle rope into a Canadian destroyer by Penta. I mean, it, I mean, Folks, if you didn't see it, go find it. It's a, pen- it's a Canadian destroyer that'll make Bad Bunny blush. I'm telling you. <laughs> um, yeah, they go to picture in picture. They're going to break. Uh, later, we get a pile driver on the apron by Trent. Um, uh, Alex, I forget his last name, is out there as Pentas Trans. Thank you. Uh, he gets on the mic and basically says, Penta says, Trent, you suck. Your friends suck. And oh, yeah, your mom sucks. You don't <laughs> talk about Trent's mom. You know, talk about Trent's mom. So that then leads to some shenanigans, uh, distractions. Alex ends up getting the microphone, hits uh, Trent with it. Penta wins with a uh, package pile driver. Um, you know, I mean, uh, this, is, this is what should have happened in my mind.
1: Absolutely. And uh, uh, this may have had more outside interference than I would have liked, but I think Alex has really stole the show in this for me. I thought he was great in the pre-match promo, just this, how animated he is translating for Penta. And then tonight when he just took the mic, <laughs> you did it a lot of justice there. I thought it was very funny. Uh when he went after Trent's mom, which the announcers were just like, No, that's a no. They love Sue on that announce team. I really like that. So when he went after his mom, they weren't very happy with that. Uh, but I thought this was good. I thought Trent looked good. He didn't look a little rusty in spots and that he was getting caught up on the ropes, and then there was some um spot where he landed right on his head that was kind of scary. But I, I think it's just because, you know, his first match back is wrestling a guy like Penta going a thousand miles per hour and eventually they caught up to each other's speed and they really have good chemistry together. But uh, but I thought this was very good uh, toward the end. Yeah. I- Again, uh, the, that's the right finish. Again, a, a,
0: a critique I constantly have with AEW, and I had it again. Have it again later in the night. Just the ref spots they do, <laughs> or lack thereof, to yeah. get the shenanigans in. It's. I mean, it gets to a point. I, I would almost rather. I mean, it's no secret. It's kind of become part of like Tony Khan's charm as like the the wrestling encyclopedia uh, that he is, who happens to have a billion a billion dollars that can fund a company. We all know that he loved ECW. And we know like things that like things that influenced him as a fan. Just come out and say that you're paying homage to ECW, and just like how ECW was, you know, there was no such thing as a disqualification. If that's what you want to come out and say, just say it. It's not, you know, it's it's not like the AEW rankings are like hockey, where it's like you're, you know, four, three, and and one, and that one is uh, is, is a victory or a loss because of a DQ or something like over. Like just just come out and say we don't have DQs. And the ref's there to count three or uh, verify if somebody tapped out. Just come out and do it already.
1: Yeah, it would do them a lot of favors because even somebody as closely as we follow it, I watch every week and sometimes I kind of ask myself whether or not there are certain rules. Like the countout tonight, there were moments where I was like, do they do countouts in AEW? And they definitely were doing it in the main event. But then there were moments throughout the show where they just let them wrestle on the outside forever and, you thought whether or not they used them. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that some kind of declaration saying what they believe and what they don't believe. And, you know, listen, if they believe that they don't have to have uh, disqualification so that they can get three counts and they can give fans finish, finishes, they can present it that way. They can present it that we want every match to have a finish or whatnot. But it really would be important to distinguish when the rules apply and when they don't. Right, and and uh, yeah, right. I'd appreciate them just coming
0: out and saying, "Look, we don't want to give you non finishes. We want to make sure there's a finish, even if it, even if it means that shenanigans have to happen." Because here's the thing: now they are what Dynamites have been around for a year and a half at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I, I don't think they have here. Now, if they ever do finally do like some big DQ and that's the resolution, I don't see how there's going to be any justification. I don't see like what what act could. I mean, we we've seen Matt Hardy almost die. I mean, like I don't, yeah. I don't see. I don't
1: see like what. What there could be that where they stop a match, you know, like I believe they did do one in a Cody match, I think it was something with QT Marshall, but okay. uh, maybe like last month. And I remember hearing that that might have been the first DQ, but um, I mean, even that did not justify a disqualification in terms of what they've let go,
0: yeah. Like, you know, they have you know, they're, they're really big about, and even I think Excalibur noted it, you know, the um, the women's title match that's coming up here in a few you know, they noted that the title match had like a 60-minute time limit, but then like the TNT mm-hmm. title match, TV time remaining. I mean, like one of these times they're going to use something like that where the time, you know, and that's fine, one-offs on something that, that's, that's easy to define, a time limit, but something that is as, as blurred lines as calling for a disqualification in a fake, in a predetermined right wrestling match is a really hard, really hard <laughs> thing to go into. All right, so we get one of the things they're promoting for tonight, Alfred, it is the sit-down. Jim Ross does a sit-down with the pinnacle, and uh, MJF does the bulk of the talking here. He talks about how Jericho made fun of his uh, Burberry scarf. And he's like, look, I've been wearing a scarf way before you, Jericho. I wore it back when I was on Rosie O'Donnell when I was 10 years old. <laughs> and uh, Tully's at home getting the battle plan ready for the big blood and guts. But Tully, MJF says Tully sent him a silk scarf because it's spring season, so it's time for silk. Uh, Wardle gets a few words and He says, uh, you know, Jericho was going through naming everybody in the pinnacle and knocking them down verbally on that 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 big touted about promo. Uh, and, and, but Wardlow noted Jericho, when he got to Wardlow, you stuttered and stammer because you knew you're starting to do something you shouldn't do. Uh, so that was interesting. Wardlow getting to have some talk. And then it goes back to MJF. He says, you know, the Jericho rub, all that is now is just wrestling people that the people wrestling guys that the fans already want to see. And then Jericho just takes all the success, uh, that it supposedly gets, uh, and MJF reminds him that he's undefeated and he put over blood and guts on May 5th, how he is a mark. He's a mark for Jericho's spot and he is going to come and hurt Jericho. Love it. Yeah, what'd you think of this?
1: I thought it was phenomenal. I thought this was MJF's best promo of this entire feud um i I thought it was so good how what i like about this feud and that's made me invested week to week to week and even kind of make it seem like these two groups legitimately don't like each other is that whenever they have a promo designed to go back at the other person they point out a legitimate flaw in in the promo like when mjf cut his promo he had this horrible spray tan that was not part of the character or anything he just looked orange jericho made fun of that but now this week Wardlow made fun of Jericho legitimately slipping up from his promo last time. So it seems like theres that's how arguments tend to work when two people go back and forth. Whenever you see seen it, Twitter or whatnot, they'll go after each other's typos or whatnot. And that's how you know they really don't like each other. And I like that element of this. And I just also loved Wardlow. He was just very short but sweet. And it was a very good bar for him to say that, like, you're just scared of me. That's why he slipped up. It was really clever writing, I thought. Um, for this promo, and it really got me excited. I thought MJF put a button on it perfectly, and I, I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I thought most of what was said was good, and I
0: agree with you about the Wardlow part. And I, I like the fact that you know you got a, you got you know five of these guys sitting there. MJF, of course, you know is going to take the the bulk of the lines, but the fact that Wardlow got to be the other one who spoke, you know, that's that's again, there's a slow burn of, of of plans for him in the long term. Yeah. I will say this: I don't quite understand why this had to be done in the in the pre-tape sit-down fashion. You know, th- this group still is new relatively speaking uh, so I don't know why you wouldn't I-, I still think it'd be more effective to have it out live where you can hear audible heat and reactions um, so so the fact that it was done in this manner I, I that I mean I I, I I guess because we see inner circle later maybe it's that we got to keep the I guess keep it up as they're not in the same building until next week which we'll talk about um, I don't know that that was my only thing after I watched I was like ah, maybe that should have been live but then we see Inner Circle later, so maybe it's – uh I, I don't know. I was just curious. Is this the strongest way to present the Pinnacle? For what for the good things they had to say, are they stronger in a pre-tape or are they stronger when you can have that live uh, you know, live reaction?
1: I completely get that. If I were to choose after having seen the Inner Circle's promo, which we'll get into, and I, I thought they were fine, if I were to choose which one should have been live, I would have chosen the Pinnacle for sure. I mean, Inner Circle could have cut that promo backstage, I feel like. and But I just thought the Pinnacle was that good and that I would have rather seen them live, especially because they're so new.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right, and not to not to jump the gun here, but yeah, when we get to the inner circle if you want to compare the two, definitely I felt that uh, Pinnacle had the stronger of the two group promos. Speaking of strong, we have a brand new sponsor to the show that we'd love to introduce and thank and it's Strong VPN. What is that? Well, I'll tell you what. Strong VPN, it's a virtual private network, VPN. VPNs help you if you're not uh, aware already. They help you safely browse the internet. It's a crazy world out there, but we all got to have the internet. It, it, it's just, that's just the nature of the game. We're all connected at all times. And whether you're watching a Twitch stream or a YouTube stream or gaming somewhere else or just spending way too much time on social media procrastinating, with strong VPN, your connection is encrypted. That's important because it means no one else can spy on what you're doing. Whatever you're playing, whoever you're talking to, whether you're having some freaky fun or whether you're doing some important banking, nobody can be spying on what you're doing. VPN is very important. And so you can use Strong VPN on your computers, tablets, phones. You can even install it on your router to protect every single device that's in your household on your internet network. So the best news about this, they are hooking you up with a deal. Strong VPN uses the latest generation VPN technology called WireGuard, which means it doesn't slow you down like other VPNs are known to do. So check out this deal that they're doing now that they are linked up here with the Wrestling Inc. podcast. For listeners and viewers of this show, Strong VPN is offering an incredible 65% off. 6.5. You see it there on the screen if you're watching. 65% off. So that's just $3.50 for the first month or for a whole year, Alfred. Your numbers, guy. $27.99. I mean, for a whole year. This is an incredible offer. And so everything you get with a strong VPN, you get the apps for uh, iOS or Android or Mac or Windows. You uh, get access to 950 plus. VPN servers, none of which will log your information. You also get more than 59,000 anonymous IP addresses protecting your personal privacy. So how do you get that savings? Go to the address there. It's on the screen. If you're watching, go to strongvpn.com slash INC. INC is your discount code. Strongvpn.com slash INC. The plan starting at just three fifty dollars a month or $27.99 a year. Get started. This offer is only a limited time. It's not going to be around forever. Limited time offer right now. 65% off monthly and annual subscriptions from strongvpn.com slash INC. Once again, that's strongvpn.com. We thank them very much for getting in to the Strong Wrestling Inc. podcast on a Wednesday night.
1: Shout out to them. That's actually a great deal, and you can never be too secure. So if you can save that much money doing it, hell yeah. When I
0: got yeah, when they told us about this, and I was reading the script, I was like, I had to check. I was like, Is this a typo? Are we sure? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great deal. It's a great deal. So uh, happy to have StrongVPN uh, working with us and again. INC is the discount code. All right, I see some super chats coming in here for uh, conti Let's get into that. So again, top ranked conti up against uh, Hikaru Shida. Of course, she is the AEW Women's Title, a uh, Women's Champion. She's held that title for I think 333 days at this yeah. point. Um, this is her eighth title defense, uh, but she's won 25 straight. She hasn't lost since 2019, so kind of quiet in, the, in some regards in the manner in which she has uh, had this title reign. <clears throat> but commentary, again, trying to give you the stats. They actually give this match a little little pre-match uh, fight package, so helping juice it up. Uh, this starts out quickly pretty much, Albert, in the slugfest, which not many uh, expected. We see Sheeta give a brain buster on the outside. Uh, after that, we get a lot of submissions and some heat. Sheeta is the one who's putting all these submissions, and just doing the heat spots. So, even though both ladies coming from the proverbial baby face tunnels, Sheeta kind of acting more as the heel in this match. And uh, Conti gets a comeback. Then we start to see a series of, of just pretty pretty incredible, innovative offensive spots. Mm-hmm. Conti hits a Sentai with Sheeta balanced on the top rope. Sheeta hits a witch's shot, when also balanced on the top, which sends Conti out to the floor, looked pretty brutal. Uh, ultimately, Sheeta does kick out of the tie KO, and then Sheeta wins. With her finish, I forget the name of it, but it's like a spinning knee to the face. So Sheeta wins the defend, and then Britt Baker out after the fact on the stage. Again, noting the screen, noting the rankings, noting the record. So again, a big theme of tonight. But uh, Alfred, Sheeta, still a champion, still on the babyface side of the fence, still dressing in the babyface locker room, if you will. But this certainly feels like they are getting her positioned and ready to inevitably drop this title to Britt Baker.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think she had to kind of play the heel because she's a champion and gets another baby face, so the baby face is naturally going to get more sympathy from the audience. And I thought Ty Conti should have won this match, to be honest. I know that they are doing a slow build, but this just seemed like it could have been her moment. I get her not winning. I didn't fully expect it to happen, but I just thought that, I mean, these two worked very well together. Ty Conti's been on a run. And I did feel going into this, this either should be Ty Conti's best match just on the run that she's on, or she should win the title to just kind of keep that momentum. And I thought she had her best match to date on AEW you in this match like you saying innovative spots innovative was the exact words in my notes that I used to describe this match in that these two seem like they really like working together because they did a lot of stuff where they were flipping around on the top turnbuckle and and I really enjoyed it I just thought you know Ty Conti's been very much improved uh Hikaru Shida. uh it's hard to get for me to get excited for her matches going in I never really see that fire going in but when the bell rings and she gets in that match she has a way of hooking you in and and she's very good in there but I, I liked everything about this even the post match um, yeah, and I agree. I kind of agree with the Shida thing.
0: You know, I feel bad saying it because I, because I admittedly, I, I don't follow, you know, I don't follow Japanese stars in wrestling nearly as much. So a lot of these stars that AEW has utilized from Japan, a lot of it is new. I know, I mean, I know the big level storyline of, of the of the elite and the Bullet Club, but so I feel bad when I say, ah, I don't really get psyched when I see her coming to the ring, but you're right. Once the bell gets going and, and, and it gets an emotions, I'm like, all right, I start to get into it. Yeah. But I will say, I thought that t- I would have not. I actually would have agreed if Ty Conti would have won because here's the thing: Ty Conti at least is, um, you know, I feel like she is the more over baby face between her and and, and Sheeta. I just, I do, yeah. Um, I just feel like maybe it's because she's, you know, she's kind of got the the Dark Order hanging around her, and 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 then they're over. You know, they become over baby faces. Um, she's so improved. So much improved. And again, I just feel like there's not that there was sheet. And I feel like Ty Conti as a champion, although it'd pretty much be pretty transitional. Um, I feel like that's a baby face that's better for Brit to eventually beat. Because here's the thing: Brit's inevitably gonna become AEW Women's Champion and long overdue. I don't think they should, and I don't think that Brit would want this. I think they need to find they need to do every damn thing possible to keep Brit as a heel. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. As, as 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 funny and as as talented as Britt has just emerged in the heel role, that's very traditional. That that ends up then, kind of not backfiring, but just spinning into being a very cool, likable babyface. I think Britt's gonna have to make sure that when she goes to win, that she still is just a bitch and is just very uh, as unlikable as possible. Because I think they have to keep her a heel for as long as possible, and eventually, eventually, when you burned all the heel heat off do the babyface switch again but i i would not rush her back to the babyface side of things because what's made dr Britt baker has been the 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 heel the heel emphasis of her
1: completely agreed and i would like to see her win that title through nefarious means like she should not beat hikaru shida clean uh, especially under the idea that hikaru shida has been so dominant and had that title for so long doing it the right way for her to lose it through heel tactics whether she gets reba involved uh, i would absolutely you know like to see that i think that'd be very welcome because yeah it's only a matter of time and it might happen already who knows when these live crowds come back they might have already fallen in love with Britt baker over the pandemic but she's much better in this role where she gets to play the heel and the bad guy there's just more for her to do and it would be way too early to turn her baby face just because of the reactions
0: yeah yeah and to your point you know they have limited crowd very limited so you can still you know it's, it's it, you can still control the narrative wb has the same kind of uh benefit you can control the narrative because you can control mostly what's being heard and done live you know in your live events. Um so yeah while you have that I mean keep get her keep her as dastardly of a heel as possible because while yeah. she could be funny and while we while we get you know deep in the weeds of appreciating that on the surface she's still somebody who's just you know just just a rotten nasty <laughs> nasty nasty woman with the way she speaks and things she does. James Bean um even though uh, Ty lost tonight, uh, should Brit have to face her for the number one spot? Because Ty is 10 and three and Brit is eight and one. Uh, yeah,
1: I, 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 maybe. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, as long as because they've already established that Brit is number one. So maybe to hold on to that. Um, you know, Brit's been making such a big deal about these rankings that it would make sense to use the rankings to make another match with somebody who's a top contender. I, I would have no problem with it.
0: No, for sure. All right, so then we get a Miro promo, short but sweet, a pre-tape promo. This the maybe the best whatever it was sixty seconds that Miro has looked. And I'm not exaggerating. The best sixty seconds he's looked since arriving to AEW. Very well done package, edited, great sound bites, great visuals, and he's basically saying, "I'm coming after a champion. Like I don't care, you know, I don't care if it's uh, uh, you know Kenny Omega. I don't care if it's it's Darby Allin and your emo face paint father. Uh, if you have a title in AEW, you have a problem
1: because Miro's coming." I goosebumps loved it excellent excellent and i love that it put the tnt title on kind of the same level as the aw world title you know when he's i don't know which one of these titles i'm gonna come after next you know if you heard something like that on any other roster it'd be like oh come on you want that world but you know is going to go after one of those titles and it's going to mean something. And I just hope that he continues to get ring work. And while he's looking for Kip Sabian, he continues to squash guys because that'll make it even sweeter when he finally does get his hands on Kip Sabian. I like that storyline arc that he still hasn't found Kip Sabian. Sabian's disappeared off the planet running from him. So I like that they're telling that story too.
0: Yeah. I give credit to AEW for trying with the TNT title. They, they've, they've, I know Cody has said this several times in public uh, uh, situations. Where they don't want to, they didn't want the, the, the they didn't want the TNT title to automatically default to being like the mid card. Uh, you know, they they you know, they wanted to feel like that's a that's of equal level of the world title. Uh, and I feel like they've, for the most part, they have tried to hold true to that by like you know having the TNT title main event, you know episodes and and, and so like I think any anytime you have any anytime you have a title in your organization that's called a world title. We're all just kind of trained and that that's sure. the number one. But I think they're at least attempting to. Uh, you know, keep it as valuable and as prestigious. And so, you know, power to it. It's good to try. All right, so we see the Inner Circle live. Uh, Jericho and crew are out there to kind of respond. They put over blood and guts. Um, Jericho says to MJF, uh, you know, you, you don't have conviction. I don't, I don't believe you. You sound like you're reading off a script. Um, he has a little quick little show tune. He sings about MJF. Uh, and then Jericho says next week, both groups will be face-to-face or parlay where they will discuss the battle, the rules, the strategy, what's going to happen. So uh, this will be, it sounds like, the the big go-home uh, to their blood and guts, which, Alfred, I don't know if you caught this. Earlier on in the night when they said blood and guts, did I hear Jim Ross say, is, is, is the entire blood
1: and guts May 5th Dynamite? Is it all just this? That's what I got out of this. I mean, when you threw to me, I was going to ask you what you thought about that in terms of it's going to be just one match, blood and guts, from what I understand, too. Yeah, that's, I mean, like,
0: that, that's what I took it as. And then I was like, all right, is this is this live for two hours? Are they doing a cinematic pre-tape for this? You know, so um, this is kind of interesting of, of one, of, of one match. Two hours. Two hours. I mean, granted, there are enough players involved. There's enough sure. people involved to where you could kind of, like, MJF and Jericho disappear, and then for the next 15 minutes we just see these, like... I I guess, but I mean, but especially if it's live, that could be a very interesting thing to pull off of moving pieces. If especially if they're moving around Daly's place, if they go back into. The Jaguar Stadium, which I, you know, that that's that's great. They had that at their disposal. But uh, it sounds like this, they really are building to like a
1: one-night war <laughs> of just for two hours of a match. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see how they play this as a television event, if they're going to take any time, like maybe 15 minutes before to promote it and talk about it and do video packages, or if they're just going to kind of go straight into this thing. Uh, because, yeah, they can kind of drag this out. But it's a tall task. If you want to go past the 90-minute mark with a match like that, uh, I think it might be a tall task. But they have the liberty to do that. Now that they're not going head to head with NXT, I don't think this is something they would have ever tried if they had another show to worry about.
0: No, I agree. This uh, will certainly prove uh, who really are the demo gods out of this bunch if they can hold the audience for, <laughs> for that. Uh, Val four ninety nine super chat, not AEW related, but well wishes to EC three, who's been hospitalized with an infection. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know the news. I, I saw on, on my social timeline some people saying best wishes to EC three. I did not. I don't know the details. I guess if that's if that's true, Val, then uh, thanks for letting us know. And yeah, best. you will have to check that out. That's DC three. It doesn't sound good at all. Um, So this Jericho inner circle from, I I felt, you know, like I said, I thought maybe the pinnacle should be live, whatever, but I I felt as a response to the pinnacle, this, this was not, this was not one of the better Jericho showings here.
1: No, no. I, I mean, he had a, for somebody who on that show was called out for messing up his lines, he did have a little bit of a faux pas when he was trying to do the show tunes thing. It, it, the crowd didn't really even seem to be like they were excited to hear show tunes because he had to ask them a couple times to get them excited about it. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think this was bad. It's just following that inter, that pinnacle promo. They clearly, if we're going to be judging it on that scale, we're outclassed by the pinnacle tonight.
0: Well, and also if you want to put it on the scale of following up the, the immortal promo that Jericho had cut, Oh yeah. So that yeah, that obviously said up. You know that people were talking about that as the best promo he had cut in years. You know, yeah. so that, that's. I did point. like
1: Santana in this one though. They let him talk for a little bit, and I thought he was very—he's a very convincing tough guy.
0: Well, and then what did what did Hager jump in and scream? You'll be like s- s- sucking a, your own meat through a straw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and then Jericho's even like, okay, Jake.
1: Yeah, <laughs> come on, come down, Hoss. <laughs>
0: gotta write promos for these guys we don't have to have writers we can just let them, let them go <laughs> all right up next we get uh qt marshall versus billy gunn he set the gun back
1: yeah uh, He's, uh, was it a transaction is it his now or is he defying wwe
0: i don't know he'd been billy for the longest time the graphic just said billy the commentators would just say billy tonight they said billy Gunn. the graphic said billy Gunn. obviously his boys are the gun club so yeah. i so i'm not sure what uh where the uh where where the, the trademarks or whatever follow here, but he's Billy Gunn again. So yeah. good good. good uh this one starts out uh, uh guns out first and then here comes QT Marshall who tries to throw Nick Camarado and uh, Aaron Solo uh to to Billy Gunn and Billy quickly just knocks them down. And then the a large part of this match is Billy Gunn just, just putting on a whipping on QT Marshall, just throwing him around, punching him. Um Eventually, Camarado and, and Solo—they—they—they they, they look like they're about to get involved. They do—they do get involved again. there's like again a weird transition of a distraction. They start to get involved, and then uh, Billy's sons—they both jump over to the barricades. Now they're all fighting off. and go for a minute. Uh, eventually, uh, we end up seeing Billy Gunn, who looks like him. He's again just in full control. Just—he's the man's in his mid-fifties, and he just—it's <laughs> just so freakishly impressive looking, and still the way he moves and. Just little things. The way he times false finish kickouts. Yeah. Um, little things he does of selling. Just how hard it is just to extend his arm to gather to that rope for a second. He just... the, the, the can't say enough about the veteran experience that he brings. Um, and he's showing it off here. It looks like he might actually get this win here. And then all of a sudden um, we see Agogo come out who of course is selling his his British gut punch. And he gives that gut punch to Gun, that leads to QT hitting the diamond cutter. So QT Marshall gets the win. And then after the fact, Alfred. Uh, looks like we're gonna get we're gonna you know gang up on, on Billy, and then we got Dustin Rhodes comes out to save. Dustin Rhodes is putting on a whooping to, to and then he he ends up hitting Nick Camerado with a wooden chair, which Camerado doesn't even flinch.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Where, where, where do you make of all this? Are, are you into this QT Marshall and his 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 deal here is His stable, his his gym.
1: I like, yeah, I, I mean, I am. I like that they're getting attention. I mean, they hit Camerota right in the head, and he just kind of <laughs> sit there and took it. I felt like everybody got over in terms of the factory, in terms of being presented on TV, except Aaron Solo was just kind of thrown to the wolves and didn't really get to do anything. Uh, I like Anthony Ogogo. They're continuing to put over that punch, and I think QT Marshall's been good in this role. Uh, it's just that, one again, one of those things that they kind of try to cram down your throat in one segment. It seemed very rushed. It seemed like a lot was happening for all the stories you we are trying to tell, and at the end of the day, they did end up getting to where it looks like it's going to be Dustin Rhodes versus QT in a bull rope match or something like that, which, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm sure that's going to be a match. It'll be a, a fun thing to watch, but it just seemed like they were trying to do too much and with too little time in here.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, too, to see Dustin out there who looks and moves well for his age, Billy, who we just said. And it's like somebody had tweeted on my timeline a clip from them having a match, Goldust versus Billy Gunn, like, Raw of 1999 in the It's oh like, wow. <laughs> Here we are, you know, <laughs> 22 years later. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, this made Camarada look good, the way that he, like, no-sold this, this wooden chair, which I don't know where they got the wooden chair from. And then, like, Dustin kind of looked kind of like a little bit, like, impressed and scared. So, like, that was all kind of cool. Like, yeah, so are we going to Dustin QT? Are we going to Dustin uh, Camarado? But there was a lot of moving parts. The the gun boys jumped in to try to fend off Camarado and Solo, and then the gun boys, like, disappeared. Uh, You know, like, there was a lot of moving parts. Um, I guess that is one thing, again, in the stable, 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 stables of AEW, there is just sometimes segments that just – segments that otherwise could have done what they did maybe over the course of two weeks or three weeks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, But – I feel like a lot of cool things happened, but you just forgot about them when the other cool thing happened. Right? Time, and, you know.
0: Right, and I have so much of the stuff written down, and like as I go through it, as, and I mean as I go through it, and this is only what like an hour, hour and a half removed from some of this stuff, I, I'm like, I yeah, I'm doing that. I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. I wrote it down, <laughs> but you yeah. forget, because you know, they're trying to get so much else in. All right, so we get uh, we saw earlier we didn't mention it, but this happened earlier. We uh, we, we see Omega. And the Bucks and Callis and the Good Brothers—they're all on this private, uh, private bus, private trailer, if you will—and uh, you know they're cutting promos, talking about how you know, like they are the origin. You know, they are the—they are the reason why business went up in Japan. You know, the the, the the Bullet Club shirt that sold so hot in the U.S. They talk about they are the origin. They are the origin for the Elite Revolution that is all Elite Wrestling. Uh, it's not—it's not all Moxley Kingston wrestling. Uh, so they really putting themselves over. And then as as. Uh, As Omega tries to get serious for a second and cut cut a promo rate of the camera, they just continue to hear this horn honking, horn honking, until we see that it's Moxley and Kingston out in a big old pickup truck. And they just proceed to go and T-bone this trailer. But this is a little bit odd. So, like, they go and just T-bone this trailer, and then they just get out of the car, and they immediately, like, with, with bats and weapons, walk around this trailer. They go in it, and all of a sudden, in that very brief of a time, everybody that was in the trailer all of a sudden has escaped. This, this, very came, it just came off, this came off weird.
1: Yeah, you didn't see them escape. You didn't see where they would have gotten out. It's just they're just gone, and you're expecting something to happen. Maybe they get jumped from behind. Maybe there's some type of confrontation. That's what this was building toward. But for you know, these two guys just kind of—I mean, Moxley and Kingston are very entertaining together, and I think they play off of one another. But it's just weird that they were just kind of rambling, and nothing happened. And then we go to the next segment. Uh, it, it was very weird that, that yeah. it ended like this. Even if, even if at the so that
0: when they cut from the trailer and they cut to seeing Moxley and Kingston in the truck, they would have needed to at least cut back one more time to just show Callison and company doing a fire drill to evacuate out of this trailer. And you're like, Oh my God, are they getting out in time before this, before the truck hits them? That would have at least, okay, just told me, okay, they got out and they, and they, they and they're running for the lives. I, I literally watched Moxley and Kingston go in and nothing happened. And they, and they threw a few things and, and nobody's there. I was like, did they hit the wrong trailer? Like, is there like another yeah. trailer? And like, I, it was, it, it was, it was just, and, and which sucks because Mox and Kingston came off pretty badass. They're the way that they're, they're demean- they came off pretty legit feeling. But then I just totally got lost of like, oh, like, we, well, we really did not explain that these guys escaped really well. We're just saying that they're gone. But like, where do they go? How do they get off so fast in a matter of 20 seconds? yeah i was left
1: asking are these guys sure that the young bucks and omega and them aren't in that trailer i don't think they even went inside the trailer to actually go look i think they poked their heads in and then they kept like beating it up and i was kind of asking like why don't they just go in there and actually look and it needs to be communicated to the viewer that they're definitely not in there and they did not do that so i was kind of left wanting more and then when it ended it just seemed like it was a mistake almost right exactly that's the perfect way to put it when it ended it
0: felt like it was a mistake that was probably the way they wanted it to go but that's but, yeah, it it, it it was just a missing piece. And, like, yeah, they I think Moxie did walk – he walked on the trailer enough to where we didn't see him. Then he, like, said, oh, did you take your socks with you? And he, like, threw maybe, like, a dresser or something. But it was yeah. just – I don't know. Yeah, it, it was confusing. Like, I just – or at least after you see them going through this vacant trailer, again, cut to a shot showing me all those guys hopping in a car – 500 yards down the parking lot and speeding like something just just so i know they got away like they, they, they literally pulled an undertaker they just vanished in thin air yeah yeah um okay uh bid moon dollar nine uh, Eddie any kingston fierce sparklers all right <laughs> all right so we go to christian cage up against soon, by the way <laughs> it is too soon Christian Cage up against powerhouse Hobbs. Once again, Taz on commentary. Uh, uh, Hobbs and a lot of control for uh, a big part of the first part of the match. Uh, Eventually, Christian, though, he would start to get a comeback. Uh, Hits a frog splash. This is a false finish. Hobbs kicks out. Uh, Hobbs then regains control. Hobbs looks like he might be getting ready to hit a finish. Even in the finish, just mocking Christian. He's doing the the whole peeps thing like this. And in that mocking, uh, you don't get a mock. You're wasting valuable time, as the commentators would always tell you. Uh, That valuable time allows Christian to shimmy off his shoulders, uh, reverse Hobbs, and hit the kill switch for the win. Uh, So uh, Christian Cage getting another win here, uh, which, you know, the right thing to do. I mean, I I I suppose he could lose, and, again, it's not going to harm him. He's Christian. But, um, again, Team Taz can't freaking – they can't steal a win.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and it kind of hurts Taz's credibility that he always has to be on commentary for these matches – I mean, if the plan was for them to lose, he doesn't have to keep coming back and making him look like just kind of a blowhard that he's talking and doing all this great promotion of his guys only for them to lose. Uh, and this is another match with weird officiating where Aubrey Edwards was counting down, um, you know, Will Haas when he had a Christian up against the cage. So she was counting him down for five seconds and you let go. So clearly at least four seconds had gone by and they spent another, you know, 20 seconds outside. Uh, so I thought that was very weird. Um, and th- th- this is fine. I'm glad they have Will Hobbs in this spot. And they did tease Ricky Starks against Christian Next, which I think on paper should be very good. Uh, but this is a little underwhelming. I will say this match is not as good as I thought it could have been. Yeah, agreed. Uh, agreed. But again, I just go to Team Taz. You know, you got this...
0: I don't want to say a fake title, but it's... Yeah, you know, the FTW title. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like the Million Dollar Man's title. It's a prop yeah. title. Um, and just nobody, just nobody looks good. Nobody Nobody's... You know Brian Cage, um, you know like they they, they kind of tease like Brian Cage like he like he's for a few weeks ago they teased that he was defecting from them. Now he kind of seemed like he's back on the same page of them. You know you got Hook who's out there as young, like I said, you know light on the on the kicks there. You know Cage and and Starks and and Hobbs, they all look good in their own way, but there's no nobody can win. I mean again, they I know they win on Dark and Elevation, but I'm focused on Dynamite because. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the most underlining critiques of AEW is they assume that, 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 that their viewer is watching everything and is, is following every social media account and is, is watching every sub series on YouTube. And that's just not the case. I know it frustrates people. In w- I know it frustrates WWE viewers that are jaded, but WWE always books to the lowest common denominator. They always book to the most casual fan. That's why they show you the recap package four times in a night. It gets nauseating, but they bank on somebody new tuning in for this quarter hour and like, AW doesn't need to go that far to it, but I think they got to find the happy medium. They got to figure out a way to educate people that like Team Taz matters. Maybe to show a montage of how bad they destroyed people Uh. on Dark and on Dark and Elevation the previous couple days, if that's what it
1: takes. But right now, I watch Dynamite and I'm just like, Team Taz looks like a bunch of chumps. They do. And it's a lot of it is because it gets so much TV time and they get to put that group over. And for the group to continually lose, it only exacerbates that, that these guys are just a bunch of guys who they talk a big game, but they continue to lose. And I don't think at all that should be their gimmick. These guys have a lot of street cred ingrained in them. You know, from Taz to Brian Cage, just looking like such a badass. There's a lot they can do with this group. Hobbs looks like a monster. So, yeah, they really should be a group that's protected in terms of a top-heel stable because even though they do have a lot of stables, they even do have a good top-heel stable, a couple of them. I think this is one of those that differentiates itself uh, in that tough-guy mold that they should be winning their matches because fighting adds to their credibility. For sure. All right, into the main event we go. Uh, And
0: again, numbers and records, they matter. This is the theme here. We got Darby Allin defending his TNT title up against Jungle Boy. Uh, Jim Ross pulling out some stats, noting Jungle Boy has the best overall winning percentage. That he has 42 wins in his AEW career, and he compares that to I think uh, Kenny Omega, who is 45. So, yeah. granted, Jungle Boy not um, not beating necessarily the same level of competitors that Kenny Omega has, but still 42 wins, 42 wins. So, uh, making case of why Jungle Boy's in the spot. You know, this is an interesting uh, main event here, uh, Alfred. You got two guys who, you know, I mean, they don't they don't eclipse five foot six. Uh, even commentary notes this, that these aren't two guys that are ever going to be the biggest in the room, but are going to make up for it in, in in their intensity. Um, you know, I, I, but I, I thought that was good. I thought, I thought the visual, of that was good. They put the smallest ref in there as well. in Bryce Remsburg. So, you know, the ref doesn't overshadow the size. Uh, and these two guys, I think they brought it They really tried to make the most of this main event. Jungle boy, just so damn talented. Um, you know, jungle boy at one point has a sequence of doing three dives in a row to the outside. The first goes through the middle and uh, bottom rope. The second goes through the middle and top rope. And then he finally goes over the top. Nice sequence there. Um, we see Darby do the coffin drop on the Jungle Boy on the apron. Uh, eventually, we see even Sting and Luchasaurus. They kind of come to faces and words, and then they start to kind of like hockey fight their way. Yeah, I
1: hated that. That was my <laughs> least favorite part of the match. I was, I was so deflated when I saw that because I was excited when they came face-to-face. But, oh, my God, what was that?
0: I mean, they threw a few punches, and then they, they literally – like they kind of like collar and elbow tied up and just – yeah. Just did like a doci do dance into the, the tunnel. Like they. <laughs> yeah.
1: Really made Luchasaurus look pretty bad in that. Like he's just this monster who's tussling like that with the sting. I, I did like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: and then back to the action uh, Darby ends up hitting the. He locks in the Last Supper uh, to, to, to beat Jungle Boy. A little bit of a, of a anticlimactic finish considering some of the other things we saw that, that, that it was just this this locked up roll up. But I, but I guess maybe it protects Jungle Boy is, is the argument here. But uh, So Darby wins. After the fact, the real business that they're getting over here is uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They come to attack. They're starting to beat down um, Ed, Ed Darby and, and, and what have you. And then Lance Archer, he comes out to try to help even odds. And then Sting comes out with the bat. And ultimately, this runs off Scorpio and Ethan Page. So, you know, the main event here, Darby gets another victory, retains the title. Jungle, Jungle Boy gets a, a main event spot. But the, the ultimate goal here was they wanted to put over it Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They're a duo, as we've uh, seen. And they are they're 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 not happy. They're coming. They're coming for for blood here. So, uh, was this a
1: satisfying ending for you? Yeah, I, and you spoke to the finisher. That's something Darby Allen's been trying to get over for a while. But I just don't like a roll up finisher. In that, you know, I think people really expect the Jungle Boy to kick out of that because that match was really kind of trending toward a hot finish. Uh, but I like this. It was very strategic. I think when they placed. Jungle Boy versus Darby Allen in the main event. Because last week, one of the biggest gains that AEW had in terms of improving from the Monday, the Wednesday night war era is with women, women audiences skyrocket with AEW last week with Darby Allen in the main event. So I think they just saw that and they thought, let's take another heartthrob Darby and jungle boy, two people who not only would appeal to women, but a lot of people who enjoy AEW. These are two of their pillars and building blocks. So it's something that we could see for a world title in a couple of years. And so it's really cool to see something like that now. So I'll be interested to see the impact this had with women viewership, but I thought the match was good. I thought it was exactly what it had to be. And it could have gone either way. I could have seen Jungle Boy pulling the upset uh, and catching Darby Allen on a bad day, but uh, I like that Darby Allen won. I think they're doing a good job with him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Jungle Boy just—he's one of those guys. Again, he obviously never got the biggest size, but he kind of has. He, He's—you definitely feel like he's going to have that. Um, maybe he's not going to have the career of a Ray Mysterio, but he's going to have that theme that they're going to try to continually push—that he is the biggest little man. Yeah, that is there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, overall, not a bad dynamite. Again, uh, you know. Very again, very much themed toward logic of records and rankings. Um, you know, some things that are confusing as we noted. You know, how do they escape the trailer so fast? But overall, you know, I, I, I think this will be uh, you know probably, but just about as equal to the viewers. Well, actually, I don't know. Last week's viewership, they had Mike Tyson to, to mm-hmm. bank on, so I, actually, maybe this one goes down a little bit. Um,
1: yeah, uh, I'd I be surprised it went up. I mean, like very pleasantly surprised, but I would be shocked if it went up just because it's such a high bar to go up. I mean, I was surprised that NXT went up the way it did. Uh, but you know, you could build an audience from eight hundred thousand to a million or whatnot. If they continue to go up after one point two million, they're on to something.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say this one for AW drops below a million. Maybe not much. I'm going to say it drops below a million. But if they can do some good business next week and if the promotion can work, I think that May fifth show again, that May fifth blood and gut show, they're unopposed and the and just the 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 time they've taken to build the players that are involved in this inner circle pinnacle battle could potentially do their biggest number ever so we'll see we'll we'll yeah. tune in next week and we'll and we'll and we'll see if that prediction still holds up all right we got uh, three news headlines real quick Alfred, we'll uh, jump into one uh partially an exclusive uh, uh raj Geary, Wrestling wrestling's president sat down to talk to MLW's president court bauer and uh court gives some more quotes you can read a lot of these quotes on wrestling Inc. talking about the fact that mlw has a tv deal alfred and starting in May, they are going to be on Vice TV. And Court kind of goes into some of the history of that, how long it's been taking to get to that, what brought it about, what he's expecting from it. So really good quotes to go check out on wrestling.com But what do you think? MLW
1: on Vice TV. This, that's a big deal. I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm biased because I'm very friendly with Court, and I've just seen how hard he's worked. To pretty much take this thing from zero was just a podcast network that he's now cultivated into a pro wrestling promotion, and now he's on a very, very big network in terms of you know a network that is very cutting edge that's slowly but surely becoming a wrestling network. They have ties to Dark Side of the Ring, which was their highest drawing show ever. They've had some great wrestling documentaries on there, and it's just good that Vice TV is now starting to get into the wrestling business. They're going to have live shows, and this is great news for the health of the entire business i mean i know uh, there's people who think that there should only be one show in town or whatnot but the more you see deals like this from channels like vice tv which are up and coming and that get behind wrestling and does well then more wrestling is going to be on more mainstream networks and that's you know eventually going to be the path to wrestling having another boom period
0: i agree and that's great what you said it, the fact that it's vice because you know it's one thing when you you know and i kind of i kind of have some of this i have this knock at times of the impact over the years it impact's Impact's been on channels that are either foreign to wrestling fans or aren't in as many homes as as you'd like. You know, Vice has become this kind of the underground wrestling channel. Like You said Dark Side of the Ring and some other documentaries. So and Vice seems to be pretty readily available, depending on yes. who, you know, no matter who your provider is. So that's a great, that's a great position for them to be in. And yeah, you know, you you have obviously AUW who's doing great on the turner. Obviously, WWE, they're not going anywhere. You know, you have Ring of Honor, who's got who, who who you know their their TV, and and I think they're starting to get their things back in a row, getting ready for hopefully a, the, the, the getting out of this pandemic. Uh, what they're going to try to do, you know, MLW doing this. I mean, this yeah, it, it really is nuts that even on the most mainstream at WWE, that fewer people are watching the live weekly program at least via cable ratings. But right. now we know with streaming and with YouTube and everything else, there's different ways to consume these products. It's kind of crazy that 22 years after the, the Attitude Era, we're seeing more pro wrestling, more quality pro wrestling than ever beyond major mainstream distribution channels.
1: Absolutely. If you look at wrestling in its healthiest period, its last boom period, three different promotions had major TV deals with ECW, WCW, and WWE, all with TV deals with very viable networks. And we're seeing that with WWE, AEW, and now MLW. Now, I just think that they're like the little engine that could. And I think Vice is such a perfect network for exactly what MLW does because they are kind of a hybrid wrestling promotion that really kind of uh, promotes itself as almost like a UFC. You know, where they call their matches fights and they they're really kind of worried about the shoot element of it. And they've done a good job. Kind of uh, making it seem like wrestling for people who kind of maybe take it a little more serious, don't want the cartoon stuff, but it's still a pro wrestling element to it that I really like.
0: Sure, Jax Callens four ninety nine. Yo boys got a jet, but you two make a great duo for the pod. Great stuff. Much love. Thanks, States. Jax. Thank you, Jax. Yeah, we've Alfred and I've done this a time or two. So, <laughs> uh, Kayla Mick, uh, I don't know if she meant to put something there. Uh, two dollars uh, of Kayla, if you had, if, uh, if that was a typo and you hit enter too, enter, enter too fast before getting to write something. Oh, I think here it is. Maybe what you have to pay again. Uh, any news in AEW adding another AEW show on TNT? I know there's been talks. Be great seeing more talent news. Yeah. The the, the, the word is before the calendar year is done that they will have another show on TNT. Yes. Uh, we don't know the date. We don't know the day of the week. We don't know. I, I think they've hinted that they, they want the format to be different than Dynamite. They do not want it to be just a Oh, this is just a second dynamite of the week. They, they want it to be some kind of different format. We don't know what that means, but certainly AEW shown that they kind of are willing to think outside the box. So right. that'll be something to watch for. So glad Kaylee got your, uh, got your comment in there. All right. Uh, next piece of news here, uh, Charlotte flair, uh, it's being reported by, um, i sure I get this right here being reported by uh, Alex McCarthy on the wrestling daily podcast. That uh, her storyline suspension, uh, you know, is just that—it's just a storyline angle, and that's because to let her get off TV for a few weeks because she has some dental work, get some dental work sorted out. Um, <laughs> this has nothing to do with Alex and discrediting him because I know I, I know of Alex and he's got a pretty right. good track record. Shout out to Russell Talk. Yeah, so like, I totally believe that. Whatever source or whatever means that he's getting this information from, that he deems credible, but I just, I believe that he's hearing that, and he and he's, but like that's this is a this is a weird story offered.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of black helicopters floating around. All things Charlotte Flair, it's just you know, and I don't want to promote any conspiracy. Like I have no reason not to believe this. It's just that one story after another that's just like really from her missing WrestleMania to. The weird interviews and conjecture from Hugo Savinovich, and uh, I just don't. uh, Right, and and
0: her her fiance, you know, very unhappily and very publicly leaving. At the center of it, yeah, it's just like she needs some time off for some dental stuff, but she just was off for Mm -hmm. for for the again the question mark period leading to mania. I don't know this again. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, we're we're sourcing. I'm citing who we're sourcing on Wrestling Inc. Uh, the, their report, and this is nothing to do with that. This is just like I fully believe Alex and them are, are are hearing this from sources that they believe in. But I'm just wondering who's telling those sources that, right? Internally, just to keep the waters calm, to not make this a that just seems
1: that the, the timing of everything just this seems very bizarre. <laughs> it, it really does, right? She just had her big return match this week it only leads me to believe that this had to have been an emergency but you know i guess we're going to find out more information i hope we do because this is starting to get weird
0: this is this is really weird uh and finally sticking with women and wwe and where are they when are they how are they do they want to be they uh ronda rousey first off congratulations to her and her husband travis brown ronda is pregnant they're expecting their first child together um, she, uh, she is, I believe four months pregnant. The baby is due, uh, around September, uh, 22nd, I think is the actual due date that's been made public. So again, all on that congratulations on the personal side, this of course, relevant on the wrestling side offer, cause this means that she will not be around until at least September. Uh, and this is coming off when WWE president Nick Khan had said last week, uh, that both Rousey and Becky Lynch would be back I'm paraphrasing here, but sooner than later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sooner than September in terms of if you listen to the tone of that interview, it made it seem like, you know, that started drumming up rumors that either of them could be around during WrestleMania. But if it's four months pregnant, I just wonder whether or not WWE's known about this and that's still factored in their plans in terms of when she could be back because, I mean, it's very hard to plan around motherhood. You don't know what how much time she's going to want to spend with the newborn baby and whether or not she feels her body is back to where it needs to be or how long that's going to take. So uh, I don't know when WWE found about out about ronda rousey's pregnancy but if they found out about it before nikon made those statements i mean it's really hard to project when she's going to be back knowing that um, she's this beautiful change in her life but uh, listen becky lynch has been out for more than a year and she doesn't seem like she's coming back anytime soon even though they said uh, that she's one of them who should be back so lord knows when that means ronda rousey is going to come back to wwe yeah i
0: feel like um well, well first the ronda specifically i think we also all have to acknowledge ronda rousey Showed up in WWE, so she you know she got to fulfill her her, her dream as a, as a as a pro wrestling fan. You know, came off of all the accolades, the MMA world came, had all that MMA aura. She came in, she got to work two mania matches. She got to work a you know premier marquee mania match, you know against Triple H and Stephanie. Then she got to win the women's title, go in as champion, and the first ever women's main event at a WrestleMania. She loses, but for it, it, wrestling, losing is just as good as winning if it's nice. in the right scenario. So, like, Ronda Rousey got to walk in as champion in the last match of WrestleMania. CM Punk didn't even get to do that, and he was around for a hell of a lot longer. <laughs> so my point is, we all might have to actually accept that there might not be anything else that Ronda Rousey needs to do or wants to do. She, we, we might have seen the last WWE match of Ronda Rousey potentially. She might. I yeah. mean, of course, she'll be associated with the brand. She'll be an ambassador. She'll go into the Hall of Fame. But she might legit, legitimately, be done in terms of a, a continuous storyline run. That, that's something we actually have, have to acknowledge. Especially if she comes, she becomes a mom and goes, yeah, I don't want to go back out there and risk my body. I don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they need her more than she needs them. And she had a good run in WWE. It's not like she has something to atone for in terms of how she was presented. I thought she was very good and very comfortable as a pro wrestling wrestler, very believable. She could have done that for as long as she wanted. And uh, from the standpoint of being a perfectionist, I mean, what is there to accomplish other than maybe getting her win back, maybe a one-on-one against Becky as a match. And I know a lot of people were excited for leading up to WrestleMania that didn't necessarily happen. So maybe that's something, but it's more or less fans kind of wanting to see Ronda Rousey come back and what she could do there. Then it's like Rousey has any type of desire to come back.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and to the point of, you know, when does Becky come back and when, you know, it's like, And obviously we always play in the factor of like, well, when they the live fans back, when they start touring, when they need to sell tickets in different uh cities every week. It's I'm very glad that here we are on April twenty first. Uh that we appear to be in a much better place than we were a year ago. A year ago when this was all very new, this being the pandemic, a year later we have several vaccines, you know, two hundred million shots, I think is what President Biden announced today. Um you know we, we have we see fans back in arenas for sporting events like it, it, it's still it's slowly coming back and so i think we all eye uh both based on the vaccine schedules of, of rollout and in the pro wrestling world i think we're all are starting to eye the end of the summer the start yeah. of the fall is like summer slam and then they're back and then we get back and that's you know that's in a tv world that's the new season premiere for all and september <laughs> comes you know like I think that's what we all are kind of unspoken. We've kind of got this target date of what is by the time we get to the fall, we're back to normal. And so it's like, I almost feel like between now and then, is it kind of like this weird purgatory of like, let's just sit on our hands. And now that we can actually finally see a finish line and comprehend this horrible pandemic and that we actually might be at a finish line and be back to regular touring again, do we just sit on our hands and let's not spoil this surprise? Let's not spoil this great idea for a Thunderdome.
1: Yeah absolutely and if there's any semblance of a home stretch which there absolutely is you know i know wwe is itching to get back now you should be in the mode where it's like okay but do we want that in front of a crowd or not and when that answer like a rousey is clearly you want that in front of a crowd with becky lynch i think clearly you'd want that in front of a crowd that's definitely something that they should sit on because it's really not that much more time between now and the fall
0: yeah that's what happens if they do SummerSlam in front of a crowd like they did mania and then if the next night if that raw is finally back in front of a crowd, that Raw will feel like what the Raws after main normally feel like. And yeah, that'll be good. the true reset. That'll be all hands on deck. Let's unload the surprises. Let's unload the, the big angles. Is kind of what this feels like. So uh, so uh we'll see. But that's it's, God, it's exciting we can even talk. I about know. It. I can't you presenting it like that. I can't wait for that. That's yeah. going to be awesome. The fact that we can even start to identify specific days that we yeah. might be getting back to is a great feeling. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for the Super Chats. Alfred, what do you got going on at Forbes.com?
1: Oh, follow me on Forbes. I uh, got the reviews of AEW and NXT both nights. I'm uh, going to have some stuff later on tonight, and I also have some more stuff on the Vice TV deal with MLW with uh, comments from Court Bowery. So follow me on Twitter. This is nasty as well.
0: Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, You can catch me on the Wrestling Daily tomorrow, Friday morning. I'll be on Busted Open Radio and Sirius XM Channel 156 with Dave Legreca and Mark Henry. Um, I think I'll be back here next Monday night after Raw, so uh, you can hit the follow button at Justin Labar. He's at... This is nasty. Thanks, everybody, for Super Chats. Thanks for the likes. Thanks for the comments. It even works, Super Chats. We love that you guys are still engaging in in the show the entire time. And uh, whether you listen to us live, whether you listen to this tomorrow, Thursday during your road trip or during your break or whatever, we appreciate it. Tell a friend. If you like it, tell a friend so they can start to tune in and enjoy the wonderfulness that is the Wrestling Podcast, especially on Wednesday nights with Alfred and me. Thanks, be good. Take care. We're out.